Chris Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Hour Reno was in ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. Adam Hill is here. Thanks to Darren Millard for popping on. He's a very busy guy. And uh, we kind of boxed him in there talking about uh, DeMar Hamlin and what happened last night with a cardiac arrest on the field of an NFL game. And Chris Pronger went through the same thing back in, what, 1998. And I know you heard Pronger on, where was it? Fox National, ESPN National? It was ESPN. Okay. On the, on the drive-in. They're he scary incidents. That. And they don't yeah. happen often, but they have happened. And Hank Gathers is one of the worst things ever. Yeah. We were a lot younger. You were very young when yeah. that happened. Well, there was that. And then, I mean, for me, there's the, uh, you know, John McSherry was the umpire. Yeah. I mean, different, but but similar in the, you know, the shock and the, you know, the realization of real life. And now we're all just waiting. Last update was about uh, 10 o'clock Pacific time. So we're all just waiting. It doesn't mean it's good news or bad news. Just waiting as he's been stabilized, but DeMar Hamlin in critical condition. All right, big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the big four at four. Number four. Busy college basketball slate tonight. That includes Mountain West Conference action. Uh, is the conference about what you thought it would be? Because um, it's pretty interesting coming out of the gates. It's, <laughs> it's wild and it's very competitive for sure. Yep. There's, I mean, there's, there's really no nights off. I think that's the, that's something that we kind of knew, but is being driven home even more than you would think. Used to be San Jose State. Um, I think Air Force is going to have a tough time on the road, but they'll be plucky here and there, especially at home. That's a tough place to play. But San Jose State is the story, and tonight's slate includes unbeaten New Mexico, the only unbeaten team in the country. Who'd have thunk it, right? Richard Pitino doing a really nice job. Needed some big men. He went out and got him. He had two really good guards, legacy guards. They have fathers who played uh, in the NBA. New Mexico is actually at Fresno. Make a free throw, though. Tonight, um, which will, outside of having to travel to Fresno, will not be a home court advantage for Fresno. It is one of the worst road environments in all college basketball. Not to get on Fresno fans. They just don't go to the games. Like I've said before, um, I've never been to a game there where there's been more than 1,500 people in a 10th. It's a nice arena, too. Just on a, on a side note, did you see the end of the New Mexico Wyoming the the bad beat that Betters took? What was it? Uh, New Mexico was minus one and a half. New Mexico's up one. Wyoming ball. Wyoming misses, gets the rebound, shoots it back, misses, game over. So New Mexico wins by one, no problem. Like that's that's normal. That's a betting loss. Uh, until they went to the after everybody celebrated and you know had their hey New Mexico wins, game over, and we're leaving the court. And the referees decided, you know what, we actually blew the whistle. Uh, before the game ended, and the, uh, the Wyoming fouled New Mexico, so they get two free throws. So they get to go cover and then miss both free throws. My Lord. One of the, one of the wildest things I've ever seen. Uh, Utah State is going to uh, be at Air Force tonight. And then uh, San Jose State, as I mentioned, one of the best stories in the conference. I like Tim Miles, nice guy, and he can coach basketball. He's got a, a team that... Uh, I'm not saying they're going to go 500 in conference, but they could probably win six or seven games, which is a lot better than they've done in the past in conference, and you can't sleep on them. 
And Colorado State found that out because they went to Colorado State, beat them. UNLV went there, lost to them. So San Jose State getting 10.5 tonight against Boise. They can win that game. I'm not sure. saying they're going to, but that. how about that for a storyline if San Jose State actually started out 3-0 and in conference? They're scrappy, and they're very well coached. I mean, when he went there, we knew. I'll actually say they're more than scrappy. I, I think Omari Moore, their point guard, is one of the top five players in the conference, and he's a really tough guy to cover. They've got talent. They've got pretty good talent, and they've got a great coach. That's, so, that's and, the biggest and, thing to me. And, you know, they, they when you know, I was up there covering the uh, UNLV game against San Jose State, Tim Miles rolled out a 1-3-1 zone on a couple of occasions, and UNLV had a lot of troubles with it. He's a good coach. Very good I, coach. I don't know if he's, he's going to win there at the level he won at Colorado State, but he is going to win. They are going to be respectable. He is going to get players. They're going to play smart. So... Watch that story as it unfolds. It's funny. Last night, I happened to be watching, uh, I think it was Big Ten Network, and they went back to like a 2014 game. And I don't even know what the result of the game was, but it was some Nebraska memories. I assume Nebraska pulled the upset on Ohio State in basketball. And I look in the sidelines, and it's Tim Miles. And I'm like, why is he not there? (laughs) Some schools are so stupid in what they are and what they think they can be. At Nebraska, if you can make the NCAA tournament every once in a while, if you can compete to be in the upper half, finish 500 in the Big Ten, take it. Sure. And, and it. I think what, you know, what you're getting at with San Jose State is he's not – I don't think he's going to be a perennial tournament team there, but they're never with him, now that he's established a little bit, they're never going to be a free space on the conference schedule. They're never. It's never going to be shocking when they beat somebody, especially at home. When, when you go into that gym with nobody there and this empty gym with players that can play and play really smart – um, you know, it's not going to be the kind of game where you're like, wow, they won a game? It's never going to be like that with him there. Number three. Man, I thought the Chargers did something really cool before this last game, and this made the rounds on social media. Um, you know, there was a, a fella in Colorado Springs during the uh, the brutal, you know, tragic shooting at the uh, the nightclub there who took down the gunman, and it just so happened that in some prior videos and pictures – the LA Chargers noticed there were some Charger banners up on the wall, so they've been you know, they've been treating the guy to you know some honors, and they brought him into SoFi over the weekend, and he got to meet players. You'll hear it here, real quick clip of him meeting LT, and then in the end zone they give him a great reward for what he did. Man, oh my God, babe, this LT man, I'm wearing Chuck Muncie. You know what I'm saying? This Chargers organization and its fans recognition of his heroic actions and to thank him for his remarkable <laughs> service and bravery. Please welcome Richard to the field as LaDainian Tomlinson will now present him with a very special surprise. What, what, open it up. Richard, oh. you are going to Super Bowl 57! Oh. Yeah! Yeah! I just going to Super Bowl! Oh. Oh. Holy crap! Oh my God. And LT! I was talking to LT, man! <laughs> Oh, I love that so much. Richard Fierro is his name. And I mean, that's, I'm not going to say that's when you know someone is a fan. Like that's, that's a hardcore fan. He's just, he was so friggin' thrilled. First of all, Chuck Muncie jersey on. That's old school. Sure. That's really old school. And going back to the beginning of the eighties with the chargers. And he was out of his freaking mind on the field getting tickets to go to the Super Bowl. You can tell when somebody's like genuinely excited. About oh my something. God. And there's no question he was. Just beside himself, just getting to meet LT. And watching a team that's going to the playoffs. That's nice. 
Number two. Oh, trust me. I'm feeling that at home. My God. The SO. Significant other over the Chargers. Making the playoffs. This is whole sh- this whole shopping spree for new stuff. She's like, we made the playoffs. I got to get new outfits. I'm like, I guess. I don't know what it feels like as a Jets fan. So you're right. I guess I would have to get new, you know, new, they still, new, new tubby Jets uh, they, oh, outfits. Oh, no. Aren't they? No, no, no. no, 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 no. It didn't work out. That's... Didn't work out. Well, you got Zach. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, bright future quarterback. It's all good. Derek? Yeah, at least Derek Carr's coming. Derek Carr? Yeah. That'll work out. Okay. All right. Great. So while you uh, pour salt in the Jets wound, are these the last couple of weeks of your guy Harbaugh at your school, Michigan? You did go to UNLV, but Ann Arbor guy. What do you think? Is this it? He tried to get out last year. It might It might be. It shouldn't be. Stay there. I think he can be very, well, should I say this? Can he be picky? Yeah. You sure? Yes, because he can stay at Michigan forever. That point is valid. But is he? Well, there are teams reaching out to him, even though from what we heard last year, remember, a lot of Raiders fans wanted Jim Harbaugh. I don't know that the Raiders have really ever did anything with him. Apparently, the experience with the Vikings was really weird. Really weird. He's a weird dude. Like, he went in there and he was like, okay, I'm here. I'll take the job. Like, without saying I'll take the job. And they're like, eh, you're interviewing just like everyone else. I'm out. Yeah. That's what he should. He, he, he is the Stop. kind of person you just hire him. Uh, if you want him, hire him. I don't know about that. I think there's a lot that goes into hiring a coach and... There's the control aspect. There's also the way, you know, even though Jed York was very young and kind of a buffoon, there's also the, that that gets around the way he treated the guy running the Niners. Oh, it was sure. very disrespectful like a, to like him. A, like a child? Sure. Well, not every owner wants to deal with that. Not every owner is that desperate. You I don't know if these Walmart win? You want to win I, or not? I don't know if these Walmart guys in Denver I don't think Harbaugh wants that job. Are up for that. That's not the job I would take if I was Harbaugh. Because I think he can't be selective. If he's gonna go going to go to the right situation. Panthers? That's better. I think they have a lot of talent in place. You find your quarterback. Tepper's desperate. He wants to win. Yeah. Second richest owner in all football. So the two richest owners could be making a run at Harbaugh. Very, very interesting situations to walk into. So could Arizona. I don't think that he would take that either, but... Why not? I don't know. Maybe. I just don't think I don't think that's I think, it's a, I think that is an extremely attractive job as long as you're getting a new GM. Whatever's happening with Steve Kime, good luck, but it ain't working. You're I mean you're you're tied to Kyler. Okay. I think he's a really good player, but I mean if anyone can do it, it's Harbaugh. He's he's coached at a high level in college. You don't think he's ever dealt with immaturity and irresponsibility? And Kyler's right up there with you know, what is he, twenty four? Going on 16 at times. Sure. I don't know. Can you get... You have not thought this through at all. No, it's because I think... Well, I'm still dealing with... The loss. Saturday. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what planet that's not a touchdown. I, I can't grasp that. Um, I do, I, like, I, like you said, he can be selective in that he can, he can, he can stay at Michigan as long as he wants. He can win every single year there. They've got it going now to this point where it's it's building on itself as we expected it to be years ago. It's already it's there now. It's back to being an elite of the elite programs. He could stay there and just maintain that. 
and make as much money as he wants because the money's just going to keep going up and they're going to keep having to pay whatever he wants to not go to the NFL. But if he if he does want to go to the NFL, it seems like he does. He can be incredibly selective and just go to the right situation. Number one. Jared Stidham looked pretty good for the Raiders. It is some food for thought. It's one game. Of course. So you'd love to see him over like six, seven, eight games when teams have film on him. My guess is that he'll play okay against the Chiefs and he'll have some film out there that will make him attractive. Is that enough food for thought for the Raiders to go, you know what? If we don't have Derek Carr and we can't get Tom Brady, which by the way, according to the listeners of Raider Nation Radio 920, our sister station here in Vegas, 76% of respondents to a Heidi Fang poll said that they would rather have Jared Stidham over Tom Brady. Head-to-head, 23% said they'd want Tom Brady. 76 said Jared Stidham. Okay. Almost 2,000 votes. Why do you have a big smile on your face? <laughs> I mean, what would the poll have been last week? It actually might have been similar because they just don't, for some reason, they, they don't hate, they don't like Brady, so they don't want him on the team. For some reason. Yeah. They can't put, put the tuck rule behind him. It was the right call. Dumb rule, right call. Um, Food for thought. Cheap uh, option. Jared Stidham in front of a quarterback you draft. Looks like a game plan to me. I think that'll be option four or five for sure. Really? So it will be considered? I think so. Yeah, if you... All those big names available? Well, if you go if you go after Brady and don't get him, or he comes after you and you don't get him, and then you go after Garoppolo and you don't get him, Aaron Rodgers is a potential person out there. It's a wild card. And Stidham's in the mix after that. Cofield and Company NFL Insider, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, joins us now. Miles, Happy New Year. What's up, buddy? Oh, not too much, Steve. How are you? I'm good. You sound, you sound exhausted. Well, I, I'm getting over a little cold, Ooh, yeah. so that's that's also part of it. But yeah, I think the the last you know 24 hours or so have certainly been exhausting from an NFL perspective. You did not tweet last night. I didn't. You know, I I, I couldn't I, I couldn't find the words, man. I I, I didn't. I, I I'll say this. I mean, I I was so excited for that game the whole weekend. You know, I've got friends who are Bills fans, friends who are Chiefs fans. And, you know, that game was such a big game from their perspective, right? Because a lot of it was going to determine the number one seed in the AFC. And, you know, in my opinion, there hasn't really been much of an AFC team playing better than the Bengals. And so I I, I wanted to see those two teams stack up. And I wanted to see what was going to happen. And, you know, I, I love football so much, man. And to see what happened to Hamlin um, just after those first two drives, it, it, it rocked me to my core and I just, I, I didn't know how to react, you know, other than to be extremely frightened, um, for that young man's life and to just send all of the good vibes and prayers or whatever higher power you want to go to in the universe that that's, that was the only thing I could think. The NFL wanted to play after a five-minute break. That is true. Well, I think I'm. I'm kind of. I'm kind of asking based on what we put together here. I do not believe that Joe Buck would go on the air and repeat it over and over and over again. I, had it not been uttered somewhere, that must have been the message sent. 
Yes. So for I, good for Troy Vincent trying to cover, but the NFL coming out shortly after and saying that was never a thought. What are we doing here? Well, I, I, I'm, my attitude is to give a little grace and think that it was a miscommunication in some way. Because okay. when we say the league, uh, the, the league is an entity of, you know, the hundreds, thousands of individuals, right? And so it could have been that Troy Vincent, Commissioner Roger Goodell, are talking with the officials and trying to communicate with coaches on the field. And you have somebody else who is another executive, right? right? Or somebody else in the league office that is not necessarily in the same room as Roger Goodell and Troy Vincent, that is then sending that message to John Perry, who is the, um, you know, officiating guru, if you want to call it that for ESPN, who then passes that message along to Joe Buck. So, I think that Troy Vincent saying, I don't know where that came from at that time last night probably was true. Okay. So like I said, it, it it's an unprecedented situation. And, you know, we see all the time catastrophic injuries that happen. You know, players get taken off on backboards. And then what happens? Well, teams warm up for five minutes and then they go on, right? That is the typical standard operating procedure. It just, that this was so unstandard, right? I mean, when Tua Tungavailoa on that same field in late September, it has a fencing response to a concussion and is taken off the field. What happened five minutes later, they kept playing ball. So this is so atypical that that's where the right result happened. And if the process was wrong to get there, yeah, that's a discussion for another day. But because it was so unprecedented, people start going back to standard operating procedure, and then that got overridden. So the right result happened, and that's what I'm focused on. Miles, what are you doing? You're, you know, you're acknowledging that there's gray area in situations like this, and both sides <laughs> I know. can be right. Like that's not allowed. I know. I know. What what the hell is wrong with me? Huh? It's, it's yeah. Hot take it, season, Miles. Get with I it. I know. Scream I know. I did. I didn't. I didn't tweet. I didn't. I don't have a, a real opinion on that. You know, my God, what am I doing? I, maybe I'm in the wrong business. Um, let's really get you in trouble. Uh, what should be done? Who's the number one seed? Oh boy, yeah. I. It, it's funny because you know we've been talking about this at, at work today in, in some ways. Not that it really. What matters, you're not allowed to. I know, right? But I, if it's a no contest and you go with the percentages. You know, there, one person suggested, well, the, the right thing to do would be for the Chiefs to concede the one seat. Like, what, what, what the hell is that about? Wait, no. to which team? Right, exactly. You know, as my voice gets really high because yeah. I barely have a voice. Um, because why, why, you can't assume the Bills win that game. No, yeah, in I fact, mean, you'd, you'd assume the, the Bengals do. They were up with the ball. Right, exactly. And they were driving, you know. And I, so you, you have no idea what was going to happen in that game. Um, and so I... I don't know. I mean, I I get. I would say that you just have the records that the Bills and uh, the the Bengals have at the end of the season, um, and if it just so happens that the Chiefs win against the Raiders and they have one more win than the Bills, so be it. I mean, I it's not fair, but nothing about this situation is fair. No. But to me, that's that's the one solution that I think makes sense. Yeah, and so uh, do you. Do you believe? I mean, from what you've heard, I, I'm sure that you know there's a lot of things talked about or discussed, or they're trying to figure out anything here. Do you, do you believe there was any discussion about playing the Bengals Bills game this week and pushing everything back a week in the NFL? 
Uh, not necessarily. I think that there is some chatter that uh, we will be posting at profootballtalk.com if it's not already been posted about some different scenarios that could happen. I don't know that that's really a practical thing. I mean, if you looked at what the NFL said today, all the week 18 games for now are going on as scheduled. And, you know, I, I think about the logistics of, okay, if you push this back, then what does it mean? Well, you could eliminate the bye week between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl. And that is something that is possible and it has happened before. Um, but I, I don't know if teams really want to do that. I mean, you look at the business of football still went on today. I mean, most teams didn't talk. You know, if you had pressures that you could cancel, you did cancel them. But the Chiefs were practicing, the Titans were practicing, the Jaguars were practicing. So it, it's, it, it feels callous in some ways, but this is what the NFL usually does. Life continues. You know, as I was just saying, when Tua Tungavailoa has a fencing response on a Thursday night football game, they keep playing. It just was so unprecedented what happened last night that they didn't. It's, it's, I mean, it sucks to have to talk about all these things, but it also is a reality as you're pointing out, like it's what, it's what's done now. A, a, I don't know. I'm not gonna, I'm not, we, we don't have to discuss what could potentially happen with uh, the outcomes here and how that could change things, but everybody has to also be alert that these these things can change any minute in terms right. of status, and, and we don't know. So when we say that these games are going on as scheduled this week, that's not a certainty at this point either. We don't know Correct. what could happen between now and then. That's just what the plan is for right now. Uh Raiders played this week. I think I remember the game. It seemed like it was 18 million years ago. Um, Jared Stidham's taking the world by storm, Miles. Yeah, I. you know what? I guess that's what happens when uh, you know the offense inside and out and you have the trust of the offensive play caller. And, you know, you maybe get a couple rollout plays and you can uh -oh. throw the ball down the field, uh -oh. and, you know. Yeah. What are you trying to say? Are you, are you in this camp of uh, McDaniel sabotage Derek Carr? No, okay, I, good. you know what, I, I just, I, it was pretty clear that something had to change going into next year when Derek Carr was crying at a press conference, you know, of what, what was that? Was that after the Colts loss? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So at that point, the Raiders and uh, Derek Carr were headed for a breakup, in my opinion. I mean, that, that you can't, you can't have your quarterback doing that and saying, you know, I care so much, and it, sometimes it feels like other people don't, and da-da-da-da-da. It's like, well, this this isn't working for whatever reason. And, you know, player and team needed a breakup. So, you know, if Jarrett Stidham can come in and take the world by storm and give the Raiders something to think about for 2023, great. Miles, when we get off the air, and that's Miles Simmons, a pro football talk, good friend of the show joining us uh, as he does each and every week. Uh, when you're done here, go back and watch that press conference again and see what Derek Carr is wearing. Oh, why? Why? Because it was not like a Raider a, shirt. Well, it was it was a red and white starter sure. jacket or something. He went, wasn't he it? went Fresno State. That was I think on purpose. Um, okay. uh, for sure. And then several press conferences around that time, he wasn't wearing any Raiders gear. I don't think that was an accident. Mm. Uh, Miles, just, let me. I, I got to jump in. What do you think the rest of the league, as people put together these gigantic list of Derek Carr landing spots, what yeah. do you think the rest of the league, um, you know, power brokers think about Derek Carr not being with the team and not being at that game? The Niners that, game. You know, I, I, I'll tell you what I personally think. I, I think it's a little weird, you know, <laughs> because look, and I, I tweeted this, you know, to be anything that I didn't tweet. 
when Matt Ryan got benched twice, he was still there. And then people come back and are like, oh, well, Matt Ryan is just barely been with the Colts and nobody thought he would be there for longer than a year, which is BS. If you just go back and look at Jim Irsay's quotes, he said that this was a two to three year thing, right? But you could go back farther and talk about Eli Manning, who has accomplished far and away much more than what Derek Carr has. And when he got benched, he was still there, you know? So I just... I mean, I, I don't really understand the, you know, oh, he, it's a distraction. This is a thing that the team did. So if it's a distraction for Derek Carr to be there, then that's on you. And so, I, frankly, I would have liked to hear from Derek Carr, you know, and not necessarily just from his brother. And, Adam, I saw the story <laughs> you did for the Las Vegas Review Journal. And, folks, you should go check that out at VegasNation.com. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's – I, I – I don't think it's a great look for either the team or the player. Miles, we appreciate you doing the spot. We know you're sick, so get better quickly. It's not easy when you're doing all these spots, so we do appreciate it. Uh, of course, guys. I, I sound worse than I feel. <laughs> there you go. Miles Simmons. Thanks, Miles A. Simmons up on Twitter, Pro Football Talk, part of the uh, Pro Football Talk programming over on Peacock. Watched some Peacock last night with Miles. Is that right? It's very jarring to know somebody and then see him on TV. It's very weird. It's very jarring. Yeah. Have you adjusted to this shit? And he was wearing no glasses. That threw me off, too. Why? I don't know. Just did. Are his eyes like yours? No. That's jarring. His normal eyes, unlike mine. It's barely open. In your TV future, will you elect to go to, like, Coke bottle glasses so it kind of blows the eyes up a little bit? Or does that make it look worse? uh, Probably make it look worse. I think those sunglasses. I think I'll go like a Dave Koken. Not a bad idea. Prettiest show in the country. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Two TV guys right here on radio. When do we get our breakthrough? 766-1400, Battleborn Injury Lawyers. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. So throughout the show, we're talking about the horrific events of uh, last night on Monday Night Football with the Bills player Hamlin. I uh, saw an update a little while ago from Matt Perino, who we've had on the show. A Bills insider said that uh, speaking to a family member that, and I'm not sure what this means, but um, Hamlin, is his breathing is being assisted by a ventilator, and the comments were that it was he needed 100% of the ventilator last night. Now he needs 50% of the ventilator, so... Sure, there are medical people out there who understand that better, so maybe a little bit of progress, but really that there's been no updates. But as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, that doesn't there's no conclusion to draw from that. That there's been really no updates today. No. Look, we all want we all want an update where somebody just comes out and said, Everything's good. He's good. You know, he's 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 up and around walking and he's great, but just because we we're not getting that and we want it and we're eager for it, doesn't mean that it's Bad news that we're not getting it yet. Yeah, Matt Perino, I spoke to Dorian Glenn, Damar Hamlin's uncle, who said that his nephew is on a ventilator to help him breathe. Damar has a little lung damage, but he's now breathing using only 50% of the ventilator. Yesterday he needed 100%. Quote, uh, that's a good thing. That's a good sign. Keep in mind, these are also not medical experts who are relaying the message. And we go back to what we just talked about a couple minutes ago and understand there's a purpose to how I'm delivering questions, you know, trying to blame the NFL for that whole five-minute thing last night where people are really flipping out about, hey, you know, the NFL wanted them to warm up for five minutes and get right back at it. 
this is a monstrous machine, and it's a crazy situation that uh, that's unfolding. There's going to be miscommunication. It's hard to all get on the same page. It's a complicated deal. Yeah. I mean, you literally don't know if, if the guy is leaving the field dead, alive, if he's going to pass away on the way to the hot. Like, what the hell do you do? And I saw people were like, come on, cancel it. Like, they need a little time. There's, there's like, also like I know I, the like a lot of the broadcasters who were filling time. Some of them are being patted on the back for hey, cancel it, cancel it. Like I know it's not comfortable, but it's a tricky situation. And, and the amount that people just don't understand. And, and look, we all do it. I'm not saying I haven't jumped to conclusions well, before. Speak on, on situations that we really don't for, know a whole lot about. We all do it. But the all key the time, is, yeah, it happens the key all the time. After it happens, to be like, oh. Okay, okay, maybe now I, I didn't now understand, I understand. This. Maybe for, Maybe I didn't understand. For multiple things. One, let's just say, it, look, it it was this horrible outcome, although hopefully it ends up being a, a better outcome than, than you know we feared and everything else. But how many times have we seen a horrible, horrible situation like this, not similar, not the same, but similar, where then they're taken off? And, like, you know, Dane Jackson from the Bills was – Stretched off the field this year, it looked like his career was over. He played two weeks later. Like, he he could have gotten in the ambulance and like, oh, look, oh, thank goodness. Everything's good. And you're like, oh, wait, we what happened? But that's not even the biggest thing. Like, I talked to somebody who told me something and I said, oh, now, let's say he's on the field. They're doing the, they're doing the CPR. They're trying to save his life. And you come on and say, look, look this is awful. The game's canceled. What happens? Everyone goes home. Everyone leaves. And now we have a backup outside while we're trying to get an ambulance to the hospital. Think about that part. Yeah. Nobody thought about Nobody mentioned that. Nobody thought about it. Nobody talked about it. But that is part of it also. So, like, you don't – again, I understand everybody wanted to have thoughts and reactions and everything, and, and it's so instantaneous. But there are things that you have to think about and consider. We can't even give a guess right now what's going to happen to that game. No. And, and I mean, my, my, my guess now would be they're not going to replay it. But I have no idea. Yeah. yeah you, you don't know. And you're just going to have to go on percentages with, you know, tiebreakers. And, you know, there's going to be a couple teams with a game short. As you mentioned, though, 15 minutes ago, that could change in five minutes. It's. It, there's so many moving pieces, and it, it's just it's so difficult to process everything that's going 4 on. Four o'clock hours brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Give them a call. They're in Reno. They're in Las Vegas. 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. All right, let's get ready for what we think will be a week 18. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know what's going to happen here with DeMar Hamlin from the Bills and what happened last night. Plans could change for this final week of the regular season. Do know that there's a lot of discussions about what should be done about last night's game. And on the betting front, what happens? you got contest involved. I know Adam Hill was looking at the fantasy aspects of it. And we'll also talk more with Adam, and he's here, um, about his story on Allegiant Stadium. If something like this happened at Allegiant Stadium, you kind of went through the whole stadium ops thing. I'm looking forward to reading that story at LVRJ.com. Sam Pediatovich is with us from Nesson. Sam, how you doing, buddy? Dude, I'm still mad about TCU beating Michigan. How, how did that happen? Come on. One was, bad call? Is that it? You're going to blame it on the one call? 
Uh, I mean, it was the biggest deciding factor in the game, right? I mean, the, who could dispute that? They ran down their throat the entire drive. And then at the two-yard line, Mr. Khakis <laughs> decides to go Philly special and, like, completely change the entire game. And people are like, well, well, they'll make an excuses. No, if they give the ball to the running back behind the All-American offensive line, it's 7-0, and then TCU is on its heels, and it's a totally different game. Yeah, but it's also a totally different game if they just raise their arms and call a touchdown and then look at the review and see what everybody else saw. Yeah, I mean, you just can't you can't get inside the two twice and leave with no points. And, of course, you know, the quarterback throws two pick sixes. Yeah. But I still think Michigan was, in some weird way, the better team. But Not weird. I don't know, man. Who I could, don't know. Who could watch well, that game on, and think on, TCU was on, a better team? On this show with you, too, you can't, you can't admit TCU is a little better than you thought, right? Yes. Okay. I mean, let's not let's not blame it on some approach stuff from Michigan. They moved the ball on Michigan. A lot of people didn't think that would happen. TCU. Now, I don't know if they're going to compete in the national title game, but all of this stuff, maybe Adam's right. Maybe Alabama is the number two team in the country, but TCU belongs here. They showed that. At a minimum, they showed they belong here. I guess. I still wow. get 2020-12 Alabama-Notre Dame vibes from this title game. Like, yeah. I think it's... I think it's a blowout. But I think then again, and, and let me. Hey, I thought it was going to be a blowout against Michigan. So yeah. what do I know? And you I, took, well, you, well, let you me, had let to me get answer some people on Twitter about that. Well, let me <laughs> let me mention too, and I know Sam's been going back and forth with some TCU fans. When I said they belong, I meant in this realm, in this Final Four or a Final Six. I don't know if they're the second best team. I don't know, and and, and you know what? If Georgia blows them off the field, I don't. I mean, Adam, you you always talk about this. A one-game yeah. result doesn't necessarily tell a story about either team. Sure. What I was going to say, and Sam, sorry to, that I cut you off on that. I was just frustrated. But, uh, yeah, if if Michigan is ahead, as they should have been, I think the game plays out differently because TCU has to get one-dimensional, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't have been able to do that, and it would have maybe gotten ugly. And I think that's what could happen against Alabama. Is that what you expect to happen? Are you, are you going to – excuse me, not Alabama, Georgia. Is that what you expect is going to happen against Georgia? I just think Georgia has superior talent, superior coaching. It just feels like, you know, Cinderella's been riding around the block in a in a carriage and uh it's going to turn into a pumpkin eventually. Like if TCU wins the title game as a 14-point underdog. We're talking about one of the greatest seasons in sports. Let's let's not forget they had a win total of six and a half. And you could have found them in Vegas. I believe South Point had TCU at 200 to 1 to win the whole thing. That's insanity. I know we got to talk NFL, but I just, I, I still don't know how the hell that happened. And yeah, I mean, all these, these TCU jerks on Twitter, man, like threatening me, we're going to kill you. I'm like, all right, dude, it's a football game. <laughs> in, in terms of the line, you mentioned 14. There was look aheads of 17, 17 and a half out there. Uh, do you think there's there's value on Georgia? I saw 13 and a half. That seems like there might be some value on that. I'm looking first half more than full game. I mean, I, I, I like that more. If they're not up early, they're not up late, if that makes sense. You could half this thing. I mean, I'm seeing some, some 12s right now in the market on Georgia. So you can lay 7 minus 15 at Circa, 7 minus 15 at Stations, um, Westgate South Point seven minus one twenty. Like that's probably what I would do. Just lay that in the first half. Um, but I don't think either bet's a bad bet. Sam Peniatovich from Fox Sports and Nesson is with us. All right. Well, let's talk about this Bills and Bengals game last night and the ripple effects 
in the gambling community because I think every book has a different approach to this one, and I saw a lot of uh, chatter. It might have been like three people going back and forth with uh, Benson at Circa and John Murray at Westgate. Uh, right now, at some books, they have not given refunds. At other Vegas books, they have given refunds. So what's your best understanding of what's going on here with the house rules? Well, house rules obviously depend on the specific house we're talking about. I know Superbook for sure has an eight-day rule, meaning if the game is played or the event is played inside that eight-day period, the game counts as action. Other books cancel it right away. Like if the date is changed, it, it cancels. I mean, it really does depend on where you bet it, and this is why you have to understand the rules at the places you bet. I mean, it, there, there's no uniformity there if that makes any sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's really like the rules are posted up like in the casinos. So it, there's really not much arguing there. Um, let me take this a different way. I saw that most books going into Monday Night Football had Buffalo minus 130, minus 140 to be the number one seed. And if they don't make this game up, how does Buffalo get the one seed? You know, they're going to be, you know, assuming Kansas City wins um, its final game and they're a, a pretty big favorite in that game at Vegas. You know, Kansas City is 14 and three. Buffalo beats the Patriots. They're 13 and three. And they're going to miss out on the number one seed and home field because some guy almost died on the football field. Now, that sounds it sounds bad to say that out loud. But if I'm a Bills fan right now. I am feeling all kinds of emotions. Obviously, we hope that the kid is going to recover and we wish his family all, all the best and, and all of that stuff. That goes without being said. But if you're a Buffalo fan and you miss out on home field because of this, that's something that just that can't happen if you're the NFL. You can't screw over a team that didn't get to fulfill its schedule. How does that make sense? It does, and, and, and again, I mean, you're saying it, but it's th these are things that are not the word "important" is not correct, but they are actual, legitimate discussions that have to be had, and things that have to be worked out by the NFL. And it sounds callous and, and awful, but at some point, it is going to matter, and not anywhere near as much as it matters for uh, you know for a life, but it's going to matter. And and you know, you're you're talking about the top. You also Look, you're taking away a chance for the Ravens to win the division. Like you're taking that away as well. Because the the Bengals aren't going to be able to lose twice. Yeah, it's wild. And you know, the NFL doesn't necessarily pre uh, prepare for situations like this. I mean, nobody wants to be in this situation. I can almost guarantee you that. But yeah, I mean, eventually we'll be able to talk football again, and that's like that's my biggest question mark. You know, when we get through the humanity conversation and get through the player safety, those are way more important than playoff seedings. But assuming the dust settles and in hope that this kid is going to be okay, now you have to go back to the standings here and look at Buffalo only playing 16 games, Kansas City playing 17, and the Bills only not getting home field because they don't have a win in a game in which they were favored. So it's just... It's wild, and of course, you know, there's there's always a domino effect, and I'm going to write a story about this for Nesson this week about what the books do. I mean, this is this is something we haven't seen, so they have to go in. They have to take down New England Buffalo, which at time of 
drop down, I believe Buffalo was a seven and a half point favorite. Now that's off the board because you would imagine the Bills are going to need this game or try in this game. So that number goes from seven and a half to, God, 11 and a half, 12. You have to change the number one seed market. You have to change the AFC market. You have to change the Super Bowl market. Not that drastically, but if Buffalo doesn't have home field, their odds go up. So it's a wild conversation with with so many different slings and arrows. But again, you know, we've we've said this multiple times now. All that matters is the health and the recovery for this young kid for the Buffalo Bills. Of course. And and by the way, the Bills may not have anything to play for on Sunday. Uh, and the emotions obviously are very difficult to handicap if you're talking about it from a pure betting perspective, but they if the Kansas City wins Saturday, the Bills would likely be done, right? I mean, unless I have no idea what they're going to do. So that, that also well, becomes hard done to done for board. the number one seed, right? You mean. Correct, correct. But I'm, I'm saying you know they wouldn't have anything to play for. So how do you build that in? Again, these things <laughs> we have to say because in case somebody just listens to this part, it, these things don't matter, but they do to somebody. Well, they'll matter when the ball gets up in the year. Yeah. That's for sure. And then we can we can go back to having these conversations about you know player safety and all that stuff. And, and I, th- I think the league is is getting a lot of flack for all the right reasons. I mean, we've seen the ESPN Joe Buck stance where they have stood by the five minute thing, where <laughs> they were saying like, "All right, in five minutes, we're going to play again." And the NFL is like, "That never happened." And Joe Buck and ESPN have doubled and tripled down. So the league looks bad. The league looks bad a lot. Um, And uh, how about that? You know, Buffalo, New England, we have a situation where if New England wins this game, they clinch a spot to, oh, by the way, go back to Buffalo in week one of the playoffs. So uh, there's always a ripple effect in this league. Sam Petiatovich is with us. Uh, Let's talk a little bit of football here on the field. Uh, I saw a tweet from Michael David Smith saying, hey, the Patriots gave away Jarrett Stidham to the Raiders. He looked better in that game over the weekend than any time Mac Jones has this season. I know you didn't get to talk a whole lot of NFL today on your Ness and stuff. Is this going to be a topic moving forward, especially if Stidham actually plays well against the Chiefs? Are there going to be people in New England who are like, hey, why didn't we you know, keep Stidham around just in case Mac Jones wasn't good? There's always going to be a conversation around Mac Jones for several reasons. I mean, he was a first-round pick. Basically, the first real quarterback, like not counting the Cam Newton one-year soldier thing, you know, that didn't really count. Like he came in for one year and then they were like, all right, see ya. I mean, he's the first real quarterback that has been expected to face the challenges and lift this team back up to levels that, you know, Tom Brady took them to. And I'm not talking about winning all those Super Bowls, but having them back as perennial contenders. And look, I've watched this kid a lot all year. It's crazy to me that it's so it's so backwards when every time the Patriots do something right on offense, it's, oh, my God, Mac Jones. But anytime Mac Jones makes a mistake or anytime Mac Jones makes a stupid decision or anytime the Patriots lose, well, <laughs> Mac doesn't have a coordinator. He doesn't have weapons. His offensive line stinks. It's like, okay, well, it can't be both. Either everything is because of him or nothing is because of him. And, well, look how good he played last year. Guys, in 13 games this year, Mac Jones has 11 touchdown passes. 11. 
in a league where guys are throwing easily for 25, 30, 35. He has regressed this year. The coaching hasn't helped. Um, and as for Stidham, yeah, we need to see more from Jared Stidham because there was a lot of bad football played by that kid when he was in New England. But he looked good with a lot of weapons in Vegas, that was for sure. And I thought it was funny, too. Uh, David Carr, Derek's older brother, does that weekly highlight reel where he shows the highest mm-hmm. rows of the week, and he notably left Stidham's throw to Devontae Adams off of that reel. I wonder why. Sam, you're the man. Get back to uh, talking a bunch of football tomorrow with Nesson. We'll check in, okay? We'll see you. All right, guys. See you. We'll check it out. Brock, Brock Purdy made the list. One of his throws. What are you guys alleging? David Carr is bitter about the switch from Carr, his brother, Derek, I, to Stiddy. I'm not saying anything. Literally just sent the tweet yesterday. I said his weekly highlight reel of the best throws included a Brock Purdy throw, but not a, a Jared Stidham throw.